Uh, well, good evening and blessed uh, Monday Thursday to you as we gather and celebrate Christ's institution of, of one of the gifts that we hold so dear as, as his people. Um, as I was uh, just preparing uh, this week and, and going through one of the, the readings uh, appointed for today, I was reminded of, of one of the things in, in life um, that I just loathe the most. Uh, it's one of those things in life that's just unavoidable, uh, kind of like death and taxes. Uh, right up there with it is house cleaning. And I hate cleaning the house. And, and I see at least Zach's head nodding as the, the, the young bachelor in our midst, uh, also hating cleaning the house. But one of the things that I, that I hate about house cleaning, it's not that I don't want to have a, a clean home. Uh, in fact, I, I find myself feeling much more at ease when, when my home is clean and I can sit back and relax without piles of, of clothes surrounding me and, and uh, dirty dishes stacking in the sink. But the thing that I hate about house cleaning is that it never ends. It, it never ends. You could spend an entire weekend cleaning your home, dusting every corner and every windowsill, cleaning every dish, washing and folding and, and putting away every article of clothing that you own, organizing that closet that has been just filled with junk that you wanted to forget about. And it wouldn't be long after that that what would it be time for again? More housework, more cleaning. It never ends, right? Your house, it, it never stays clean. And that's one of the exhausting parts about having this be a regular part, a regular task that we're faced with in life, is that house that we work so tirelessly to keep orderly, to keep clean, to keep pristine. It never stays that way for very long, does it? As soon as we get one thing cleaned, we find that there's something else ready to be cleaned right after it. It's not all that different than the way that God's old covenant with his people Israel worked. That old covenant was very much concerned with cleanliness. And not cleanliness in the sense of, of people's Homes being orderly and, and free from dust, but cleanliness of God's people. Cleanliness of, of their hearts, cleanliness of their lives. And so as you look through, especially the book of Leviticus, you find that, that many of the laws, many of the rules, the regulations are concerned with this topic of cleanliness. How do people... Human beings who are stained and made unclean by their sin, how do they come and be in communion with a God who is perfect and holy? And so what does God do? He makes provision for their sins. He provides them ways of, of keeping themselves clean. He provides sacrifices for them to offer in those moments when they transgress the boundary so that they might be made clean once again. But just like 
our homes, we find that one of the problems with this old covenant was that no matter how you work to stay clean or or no matter how many offered sacrifices there are to make you clean once again, it never ends. It never ends. The work to keep yourself clean, it never ends, it never stops. The sacrifices to make people clean must be offered day after day after day. That's exactly what the writer of Hebrews says. Just before our reading tonight, the author of Hebrews writes in verse 11, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Priests of Israel, they worked tirelessly in the temple, offering sacrifice after sacrifice. Offered to God as a way of cleansing the people. But the writer of Hebrews looks back and notes that no matter how many times those sacrifices are offered, they never end. They're offered over and over and over. That need for cleansing of the sinful human It never ends. It never ends. That need for for cleaning. As soon as you make yourself clean, you find yourself finding another area that needs to be cleansed. I remember uh, once being at a mission conference in uh, while I was in college. And the very uh, the first speaker, kind of the, at the opening night of the of the conference, he shared this story of of a missionary that he knew. And, and this missionary, he worked in the mission field with a remote tribe in Africa, and he was working amidst this tribe in this very remote village that their village religion still offered animal sacrifices as as a part of their religious system. So day after day, night after night, the people, they would be there, gathered together, offering these sacrifices to appease their gods, to to cleanse the people. And, And so this missionary, he spent month after month after month just getting to know these people, striving to to serve these people, looking for opportunities to, to spread the gospel among these people. And he kept running into roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And all the while, day after day, night after night, the people would gather to offer their sacrifices. To appease the gods, to to cleanse their tribe. And, And finally, after some time, this missionary, he just began to get so discouraged that he was ready to pack up and leave. And in fact, he had announced his departure already when the the leader of this tribe, he came to him in the night and and he he met with him. And and he thanked this missionary for for the kindness that he had displayed to the people, for, for the graciousness that he had displayed. And it was in that conversation that this missionary, he finally found the opportunity to ask this one burning question. How many is enough. 
How many is enough? How many sacrifices is it going to take? How many is enough? When when will your gods be finally fully appeased? How many is enough to, to fully cleanse the people? That's certainly the the question that the writer of Hebrews asks. In that old covenant, how many is enough? And his conclusion is it's it's never enough. You can offer them over and over and over again, but it's never enough. It's never enough to fully and completely take away sins, never fully and completely cleansing God's people. How many is enough? And although we don't practice either ritual, temple sacrificial system, Judaism, nor are we participants in a tribal religion in a remote village in Africa, but day after day, you and I are faced with that same question. How many is enough? If we go about trying to appease God with our works and our performance, Seeking to cleanse ourselves in His sight. How many is enough? What grade do we have to score on the test? How many Sundays a month? Three out of four? Two out of four? How many is enough? How much giving is enough? How many righteous deeds are enough? What's it going to take? How many is enough? But maybe you don't find yourself going about trying to appease God with your actions. But maybe it's the world around you that you find yourself trying to appease. Presenting yourself righteous and clean in its sight. If that's the case, we're still confronted with the exact Same question. How many is enough? How much is enough? How much wealth or status do we need to accrue? How much right thinking do we have to achieve to be seen as as righteous and and wise and, and smart in the eyes of the world? How many is enough? How much is enough? When does it end? We can try and we can try and we can try, offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, but the thing that we are confronted with is that it is never, ever enough. So so long as it is up to us, it will never be enough. We will never be enough. But our God gives us a plain answer to that question. How many is enough? For Him, just one. The writer of Hebrews continues in verse 12, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. 
For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. How many was enough? Just one. Just one perfect sacrifice has cleansed all of humanity. Just one perfect sacrifice was enough, not just for you and for me, but for all of creation. And because the one perfect sacrifice has been offered, there is no longer any need for offerings. No longer any need for us to continue to try to go about offering sacrifice after sacrifice. No longer any need for us to try to appease God or appease the world with any kind of sacrifice. Because the one perfect one needed has already been offered. And because of that sacrifice, your sins and your lawless deeds have been forgiven. Your hearts have been cleansed. You have been made holy. One is all it took. And because that one has been offered, you and I and all who put their trust in that one sacrifice are invited to come and draw near. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You are cleansed. Your hearts have been sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ. Your bodies have been washed with the pure water of holy baptism. And because of that, you are invited to draw near to God with the full assurance, the full confidence of faith. That that one sacrifice was enough. And what we celebrate as we gather together as God's people tonight is that we are no longer bound to that old covenant. No longer do sacrifices and offerings need to be made, but rather because the one has been offered, we get to draw near. We get to draw near to Him As he comes to us at the table. As he offers us the fruits of that sacrifice. His body, his blood, it comes to us. So that our hearts and our minds would be fully assured that the one was enough. That there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. You get to draw near 
You get to draw near to God free from any fear that he is going to reject you because you're not clean enough. You get to draw near to God free from any sort of sense of of false pride or, or bravado that would suggest that you could do it on your own. Because not only can you not, you don't have to. Because the one was enough. You get to draw near, free from any guilt, free from any shame. Knowing that in Jesus, your guilt has been taken away. And because of Jesus, God accepts you. And all of this is true because the one, Jesus, was enough. And that's why this meal, though small and meager, tiny bread and a little bit of wine, it's because of that Jesus that this meal is enough. Enough to strengthen and sustain the faith of God's people. Because it offers the very thing that is enough. Jesus, His body, His blood, given and shed for you. That you would be made clean. So tonight, people of God, come draw near to God in this supper. Come and receive the cleansing that He has offered to you through the blood of His Son, Jesus. Taste what He has done. Take part, not in the old covenant that demands that we offer sacrifice after sacrifice, but rather come and take part in that new covenant that has been made by the blood of His Son, Jesus. Draw near to God tonight because Christ has made you clean. Amen?